Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Matt D'Agostino, Wes Chang for another edition of the Juice on the Cuse podcast. And I know we may not be much to look at, but luckily for you, you can also listen to us on the Believe Network as well. Um, that's one sourpuss-looking face. Here's another one. I've got you. But uh, no sour oranges. It was uh, the uh, time for Syracuse to introduce its recruiting class on National Signing Day this week. And uh, Fran Brown and company bringing some excitement to Central New York West. And uh, what are kind of your main takeaways as we saw Fran Brown talk to the media on Thursday? Yeah, man, I think it was a great day for Fran Brown and his staff. You know, there's always things that go awry or can go awry on NLI day, but everything went according to plan for Fran Brown. So no surprises on losing his players with last minute flips. There's, you know, really four four-star caliber players that Syracuse brought in in this class. And I don't know the last time you've ever been able to say Syracuse brought in four guys with four-star caliber talent. There's actually two four-stars, uh, Yassine Willis, who they flipped the running back from Pitt, Emmanuel Ross, the wide receiver they flipped from Stanford. And then there's a guy down by your neck of the woods, King Joseph Edwards from Georgia. He's a former four-star, recently downgraded to a three-star. And then Jalen Hornsby, a Texas A&M flip, Again, downgraded to a, th a three-star, but with four-star talent. He's been there before. And then on the transfer front, we all know about Kyle McCord, the OSU transfer, uh, coming in to play quarterback. And then Fidel Diggs, the Texas A&M transfer. Uh, you know, again, these guys are rivals, 250 guys, former four-star recruits themselves. So looking at the overall board, I, I want to at least kind of account for why rivals has higher rankings for Syracuse than, than some of the other recruiting services, because they account for overall recruit signs. So Syracuse only has 18 of them right now. That's a lower number compared to some of the schools, but the average ranking per recruit is the highest it's been. And, you know, I went back through the numbers. They're currently sitting at 50 for their 2024 class. 2023 was 86, 2022 was 65 and 2021 was 51, but they also had, 22 signees there. So when you look at what Syracuse has, yeah, that 50 doesn't sound great, but then USF, which happens to be the team they're playing tonight in the Boca Raton Bowl, they had 27 recruits signed as opposed to 18. And they're only one point ahead of Syracuse in the rankings, just to show you how strong of a class Syracuse has. So overall, really good day for Fran Brown. So uh, definitely better on the quality side than maybe the quantity side for Syracuse uh, coming into this one. As uh, Fran Brown addressed the media Wednesday, I just said Thursday a second ago, but Wednesday, uh, Fran Brown checking in with the media and talking about the class and kind of where the program is going. Um, for me, as much as it is about X's and O's and performance on the field, I think the attitude, the swagger, the quiet confidence that Fran Brown brings is the biggest takeaway that I have from, from seeing him now interact with the media a few times since he's taken over. 
Yeah, there's a couple things that Syracuse has had a ban on speaking with assistant coaches during the Dino Bapers era. And that was the last thing he said was, hey, if you want to set up a meeting with an assistant coach, just go through SUID and they'll, they'll get you the, you know, they'll, they'll get you the access that you need. So I thought that was really interesting is that he's kind of opening things up because Dino Bapers definitely didn't allow that. You know, one other thing he was brought in to do was to recruit and not just recruit, but recruit New Jersey. And that's exactly what he did, Matt. You know, there's 18 commits, as I mentioned, nine of them come from New Jersey. And he also said that he's going to continue to recruit in 2024, the 2024 class. So we'll speak with John Garcia Jr. later about that. And there's one other interesting tidbit I wanted to point out to you because he was talking about Jamie Tremble. Again, your neck of the woods in Georgia, Matt, uh, you know, just a freak athlete and Rondé Gaddiston's the second type athlete. I've actually spoken with him before. And he said one of the reasons he's coming to Syracuse is because he wants to be used like Syracuse used Rondé Gaddiston the second. So what Fran Brown said is that Rondé Gaddiston the second is going to be key in training him, obviously implying that he thinks OG2 is coming back. So that that's really huge news for Syracuse if they can have a veteran All-American presence like Aranda Gattis in the second, lining up with Kyle McCord and then adding some of these transfer wide receivers along with some of these four-star studs they're getting in the 2024 class. Just, you know, really, and I, I, I think I agree. He's just so confident. He has this very quiet confidence about him. He knows that he can get the job done recruiting and the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, Gadsden, a guy who in certain mock drafts uh, was, you know, possibly a third, fourth, fifth round guy if you were to go into the NFL draft after this season. So interesting to hear that uh, at least Fran Brown may be insinuating that Gadsden will be in the fold for Syracuse in the 2024 season. Um, a couple things that stood out from Fran Brown uh, again on Wednesday. Uh, he said, this is my backyard, like you said, uh, recruiting in New Jersey, the Northeast, um, he is very comfortable in his surroundings in the Northeast, in Syracuse. So I, I think that bodes well for them. And he specifically addressed in terms of what kind of guys they were looking for. He said, surely, you know, uh, we we got a quarterback, which we needed. And, you know, whether it's uh, the chicken or the egg, the quarterback comes first and then you get receivers or you go after the receivers and that helps you get the quarterback. Uh, certainly they have focused on those two skill positions there. But he also mentioned the strength and conditioning coach above all before he even got into positions. So I thought that was interesting in terms of um, you know, something that's more behind the scenes that pays dividends over the long run. I thought he was very adamant about that. Um, but he also said he's looking for game changers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see of these guys who becomes a game changer. Certainly McCord getting the ball every snap. Uh, they're hoping he can kind of transform this offense and take it to another level. Um, but those game changers, uh, we'll see how well uh, those guys develop throughout the season. You did mention the Boca Raton Bowl down with all the retired folks in Florida West. Um, uh, this game taking place on Thursday. Um, obviously it's a, it's an exclamation point. It's a period on the, uh, season on the Dino Babers era officially, even though he won't be coaching, uh, on Thursday, but, uh, without Garrett Schrader, um, kind of, what do you expect? You expect a lot more wildcat, uh, like we've been seeing with LaQuinn Allen and, and, and the rest of the cast, or, uh, what are kind of your things that you'll be looking at or focusing on here for the Boca Raton Bowl? Yeah. And, you know, just to touch on Garrett Schrader, I mean, he'd been playing the second half of the season with an injury on his shoulder that required surgery. So just amazing for him to grit it out. But some of the things I'm looking for is what they get from Braden Davis, the South Carolina transfer, didn't really have an opportunity to throw the ball forward in the time that he played. So he's the, he's listed atop the depth chart. I'm looking for what they can 
get from him and see if he can be the primary backup to Kyle McCord heading into the 2024 season. Probably going to see a lot of Dan Villari there too in the backfield, calling plays and running that Wildcat. On the coaching staff front, you know, Jason Beck taking the offensive coordinator job at New Mexico. So he's not going to be on the sideline. Uh, Mike Lynch, who's heading to Nevada, the running backs coach is actually going to be calling the plays. But I, I think kind of to your point, Matt, these bowl games have lost a little bit of significance because of the portal and guys opting out and transferring. So I'm just looking forward to seeing guys like Justin Barron and Marlo Wax potentially for the last time as orange on the field. So they've had great orange careers. They may be hitting the portal. They may be, you know, for Marlo Wax, he may be testing the NFL water. So looking forward to watching him for the last time. And, you know, I, I, I want to impress this upon Syracuse fans too, is that back-to-back -back bowl games for the first time in 10 years, that that that's pretty significant for the program being back on track toward respectability and just enjoy the warm weather and football tonight because i i do think that uh it doesn't happen that often at syracuse at least not in the last 20 years so it is good to see them back-to-back -back bowl games so the syracuse orange uh, as presently constituted will end its season on thursday in the book raton bowl but when we come back here on the juice and the cues podcast john garcia jr going to talk to us more about the future of the Syracuse football program when we return. Back on the Juice on the Cues podcast, I'm your host, Wes Chang, alongside Matt D'Agostino. We're very fortunate to be joined by Nationals, uh, Rivals National Recruiting Analyst, John Garcia Jr. John, always a pleasure. How's it going today? Uh, much smoother today than yesterday, so I'm grateful. Yeah, and John, I want to get you started on this one. You know, you cover the South, Jamie Tremble, King Joseph Edwards. Those are two guys that are in your region in the South. So tell us about them and whether they can make an immediate impact at the Orange. Yeah, two super intriguing recruits and recruitments to follow all the way up uh, through National Signing Day. And, and two that, you know, at one point looked like maybe they weren't going to go SU's direction. So obviously great, great closing ability for uh, this coaching staff in two different ways, right? King Joseph Edwards, not on radar, national recruit, new staff has connections, bring him in for a visit, lock down the recruitment. And then with Tremble, a long time commitment, not so sure about the new staff told us he was planning on visiting a bunch of other schools in January and signing in February, takes the visit, locked them in for a, a December signature, which is a huge deal because you talk about stock up his playoff run is about as, as good as I've seen at the prep level, 600 yards in like four games, nine touchdowns in, in the state of Georgia. So two very intriguing athletes that took different paths uh, to signing with SU. I'll start with King Joseph, a versatile pass rusher. And, and when we're talking about the modern era of college football, that's what you want. You know, he's not a guy that you put into one box. You know, I think we thought early on he was going to be a wiry edge type 225 230 that was going to be a, a weak side guy who just kind of screened past offensive tackles uh, towards the quarterback but as he got older he got bigger and he became more versatile so he became a little bit more interesting from a projection standpoint now 245 pounds does he keep trending in that direction and become a quicker twitchier interior edge guy or pass rusher or does he stay outside as a bigger, stronger edge type? I think his physical development will be tied to his success at the next level. But in terms of the length, the raw skill, that versatility, it's all there for King Joseph. Really excited to see him at the Under Armour All-America Game Week representing SU. He's going to be going against a bunch of 
top, you know, offensive lineman every single day. I'll be there every single day as well. So he'll have an opportunity to, to jump back up the rankings if he shows well against great competition. But again, just more questions about his future position more so than what we see on tape because he's really good on tape, double digit stops behind the line of scrimmage uh, just last year, despite battling through a lot of injuries over the last 12 to 18 months, which has also sort of slowed down the evaluation window. And then with Tremble, NFL legacy guy, uh, you just you wonder, you man, how, how is SU going to hold on to this kid? You know, especially after that coaching change. Uh, and obviously they presented uh, something really fascinating for him. That comfort jumped right back up to 100 after he, he took the trip to central New York. So I thought that was a huge deal. Um, and he's probably, as the rankings stand right now, probably the most underrated guy in the class, although I'll break the news here. We've got one more update in January, and, and the last one didn't consider the playoff runs. That playoff run is, is about as good as we've seen in the country. So he's going to get that bump up uh, to a blue chip recruit on rivals. And he's just played his way to it. You know, hybrid tight end, wide receiver. We know SU excels with those guys, especially from down here with, with what Rondé Gadsden was able to do over the last couple of years before the injury. So another guy in that mold, I think, is a good thing for the Orange. We know this, or we think, the scheme's going to be a little bit more old school, run the ball, play defense, control the clock. So if you can get guys who can attack the middle of the field off of the run, play action, et cetera, now you're really stressing the entire middle of the defense. So I think this type of hybrid wide receiver pass catcher uh, is just what the doctor ordered in this class. So I'm really excited to see both of these guys um, finish out their high school careers and obviously get going uh, up there at SU for good. John, we know recruiting at this point in the college football game is a 24-7, 365 endeavor. Uh, what else does Fran Brown and Syracuse have on their plates as they move forward? Uh, obviously, through the rest of the winter, into the spring, and, and even on into the summer. What, uh, what are they still looking at? This is where it gets really interesting because 99% of the, the roster construction, and look, this is if you combine the transfer portal class and the high school class, this is the number 35 group in the country. This is a great group already committed and or signed to come play at Syracuse. All of that work was sort of without the knowledge of what you got on your current roster or what you're going to inherit. What changes leading into the new year and the traditional signing day is you get a better sense of who you got, who you've inherited uh, as, a, as a coaching staff. And I know there's still some portal decisions out there in terms of current players, but now we'll see what SU recalibrates from a recruiting perspective uh, once they actually figure out who they got coming back and start to get introduced to these portal guys and some of these early enrollees uh, at the prep level. So I think of it as a total reset. I think you reset the board, which is why it was so impressive to see sort of the volume and the, the quickness that they put a, a bigger recruiting class together uh, relative to other transition coaching staff that are going through uh, what SU is going through. They did it faster um, and with larger numbers than, uh, you know, the Dukes and the Texas A&Ms of the world that, that had to go through this. And I thought that was really impressive. And to me, that's why, because you're going to do almost a total reset going into the new year to see what, what the needs are, because they've changed based on, who you got and, and who you got bringing, who you have coming in, you know, through the portal and the high school ranks. I, I would imagine quarterback is probably a position where you'll see some action. You know, Trevor Jackson's still available. Uh, I talked to him last night. He 
said he was overwhelmed uh, about the process because he's looking at schools that he's never visited, you know, so hard to lock something in in that regard. Uh, so I think quarterback will be an interesting uh, path for SU, uh, especially when they figure out what they got coming back. But I think the whole board will be shooken up. Yeah, and John, we'll get you out of here on this one. I've known you for a long time, uh, 10 plus years. We've done recruiting for a long time, uh, sometimes together, sometimes at other organizations. But Syracuse has always been at the top of our mind. So for the time that you've been covering Syracuse and you've been doing recruiting, is this the best class that you've seen uh, that Fran Brown's constructed just in two weeks? I think when you consider the portal additions combined with the prep additions, it's got to be yes. Just the influx of talent is going to come in. And we always, you know, it's always thrown around, why, why does recruiting matter? Who, who, who you, is, is going to make this immediate impact? How do you know if somebody is going to make an immediate impact? Well, now it's a lot less guesswork because we've seen what Kyle McCord can do. We've seen what Fadil Diggs can do. We've seen what Jackson Meeks can do. We, we've seen it. So I think that changes so much of, of the talent acquisition game because you, you know what you're getting. So... Uh, some of these guys are going to have familiarity with the coaching staff. Some of them won't. So that there, there will be unknowns. But in terms of seeing it turn over immediately and experiencing those those first year players, whether they're from the portal or from the prep ranks, I think this is probably the most talented group already that I've seen SU bring in. And obviously, it's it's not over. The portal's still wide open. Uh, and and for some, I, I think the high school ranks are still going to be open going into the new year. Thank you, John. That's really awesome. Thanks for taking your time to speak with us. And uh, again, it's, we're very privileged to be joined by Arrivals National Recruiting Analyst, John Garcia, Jr. John, uh, enjoy the rest of the recruiting year until February, and we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good, fellas. Happy holidays. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays. Get some Happy sleep holidays. after a busy week. <laughs> <Will> <laughs> Welcome back. One last segment here on the Juice and the Cues podcast. Matt D'Agostino, Wes Chang with you once again. And as we get through National Signing Day here, uh, as we approach the holidays and the new year, um, Fran Brown once again delivering some excitement to Syracuse football fans uh, across the country. Um, and as we watched him speak to the media on Wednesday, Wes, um, he's very quotable. Uh, he will be a media darling in terms of that. But um, one thing that stood out from me was, uh, we've heard him talk about this now a few times is his dart philosophy, his motto, uh, dart detail, accountable, relentless, and tough. Um, I think that sums up his attitude, his message and his expectation, um, for this Syracuse program. And it's something, it's funny, uh, in my household, I think my wife and my kids, um, hate that two of my favorite words are discipline and consistency. Um, and and uh, in, in another life, I'm probably a military brat somewhere, I feel like, with that with that philosophy. But uh, Coach Brown using dart, um, it's, it's a little old school, but he gets the buy-in, certainly as we've seen through these uh, recruiting weeks since he took over the program. But you can tell when he's focusing on details, accountability, relentlessness, and toughness, uh, that is the identity that I think we will see come springtime with this team and into the fall season. Um, as he said, we will not be hunted. We will do the hunting. And uh, that is a great soundbite to end an article, end a podcast, and uh, anything that puts a nice exclamation point on what we should expect from the Fran Brown era.
might I add, Matt, that Matt D'Agostino is one to do the hunting and will never be hunted. So I think there's a lot of commonalities wow. across that the is, board there. That's a bold statement. I don't know if I can live up to that, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, once you're hosting the Juice on the Cues podcast, you become the that, hunter or not the hunted. So. That, that completely makes sense now. I get it. Matt, I want to close the show on Syracuse basketball. We didn't really have a lot of chance to talk about it today with all the NLI day recaps, but you know, I, I, we talked about this last time, but you know, that win over Oregon was really impressive. They have a game against Niagara. That's going to kick off in about uh, not kick off tip off in about 45 minutes. But what I like from them is that the upside is really there. You know, we talked about this last time, but JJ starting literally starting to find a shot. Judah Minces has been as good as advertised. And I think we're going to see Justin Taylor, and uh, you know Chris Bell become more consistent with their outside shots. So I like what I've seen from Malik Brown and Quadir Copeland off the bench, and there's a solid veteran presence with Kyle Cuff Jr. also on the bench. So I, I like what I've seen so far. I see a ton of upside. They open ACC play against Pitt on the 30th, and if you pull off an upset against the Clemson to end the season and they play UNC twice, they're ranked number 11, and Duke, which always is in the top 25, they're currently, I think, 21st. You you rack up a couple wins against these schools. There's still some resume wins left on the schedule, and none of the other ACC teams are teams that I think Syracuse can't beat. So if this team comes together, like Andrew Cowie said on the last podcast, I think it's doable to make the NCAA tournament. I know you think so too, Matt. I, I do. I, I do think there's that potential for sure. Uh, and uh, Syracuse fans will see a familiar Syracuse face on the other sideline on Thursday as uh, Niagara coached the the fighting Greg Paulises of the world. Uh, Greg Paulus, former CBA star in central New York uh, and Duke point guard is the coach there, has, has led them to improved win totals in each of his seasons at the helm there. So that'll be good to see a familiar face there uh, battling Syracuse on Thursday. Yeah, Matt, you talk about all this familiarity. You left out the most important part, which was in high school, he was actually coached by one Matt D'Agostino. Matt D'Agostino, an assistant coach his senior year at CBA. Matt, you're shortchanging yourself. Even I couldn't mess him up. That's how good he was in high school. So, yes, uh, he is a familiar face even to myself. Had the privilege to coach him and his high school team. Um, I can say I've coached a McDonald's All-American West. I don't know if you can do the same, but I'll leave it at that. Uh, well, that's it for us. For Matt D'Agostino, this is Wes Chang. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast, and we'll see you next time.